0: Singing the key of M tonight. All right. There you go. Mm-hmm. Uh, I picked a couple songs. I don't know if we'll be able to do it, but we'll try it here. Let's turn to number 345. 345. Right in the blue hymnal, I'm sorry, I guess I should have told you that, blue hymnal. Might have to sing 344. How many of y'all know 345? One, two, three, four, okay. You have to sing the lattice. We'll give it a shot here, okay? Here we go. Tis the blessed hour of prayer. When our hearts lowly bend And we gather to Jesus Our Savior and friend If we come to him in faith His protection to share What a balm for the weary Oh how sweet to be there Blessed hour of prayer Blessed hour of prayer, what a balm for the weary. Oh, how sweet to be there. Good job. Tis the blessed hour of prayer when the Savior draws near with the tender compassion his children to hear. When he tells us we may cast At His feet every care. What a balm for the weary. Oh, how sweet to be there. Blessed hour of prayer. Blessed hour of prayer. What a balm for the weary. Oh, how sweet to be there. Tis the blessed hour of prayer. When the tempted and tried To the Savior who loves them Their sorrow confide With a sympathizing heart He removes every care What a balm for the weary Oh, how sweet to be there Blessed hour of prayer Blessed hour of prayer What a balm for the weary Oh how sweet to be there At the blessed hour of prayer Trusting him we believe That the blessings we're needing Will surely receive In the fullness of this trust We shall lose every care, what a balm for the weary, oh how sweet to be there, blessed hour of prayer, blessed hour of prayer, what a balm for the weary, oh how sweet to be there. Excellent singing, good job. Let's all stand if you would. And uh, we'll sing number two hundred and ninety seven. Two hundred and ninety seven. All right, two hundred and ninety seven. Here we go. Be not dismayed. What we'll try one more time. Be not dismayed, whatever be time God will take care of you. Beneath his wings of love abide, God will take care of you. God will take care of you through every day. Take care of you, God will take care of you through days of toil when heart doth fail. God will take care of you when dangers fear is your path, assail God will take care of you. God will take care of you Through every day or all the way He will take care of you God will take care of you All you may need He will provide God will take care of you Nothing you ask will be denied. God will take care of you. God will take care of you through every day or all the way. He will take care of you. God will take care of you. may be the test, God will take care of you. Lean weary one upon his breast, God will take care of you. God will take care of you through every day or all the way. He take care of you god will take care of you amen brother ron if you would open us in prayer please thank you Lord for yes Man, Please do be seated. Abigail, could you get me a water some paper towels? Thank you, thank you. All right, well, it's good to be in the Lord's house tonight. Good singing. That was awesome singing. I uh, learned how to lead singing in a nursing home, and uh, we didn't have a piano player, and if you didn't hit that first note, so I appreciate you bailing me out on that first note. i had trouble finding it. But uh, if you can hit that first note, you can take and you can lead them. But uh, we're in John chapter 1 again tonight, John chapter 1. And i got to tell you, the books I've picked here recently are just rich, rich books. Uh, They take and uh, have a lot of meaning and uh, a lot of impact. And today I want to take and I want to look at, thank you, I want to look at uh, Jesus Christ, our light and our life. That's what the Bible says here in verse 4, and that's where we're going to start. In John chapter 1, verse 4, the Bible says, In him was life, and the life was the light of men. And the light shineth in darkness, and the darkness comprehended it not. There was a man sent from God whose name was John. The same came for a witness, to bear witness of the light, that all men through him might believe. He was not that light, but he was sent to bear witness of that light. That was the true light, which lighteth every man that cometh into the world. He was in the world. And the world was made by him, the world knew him not. He came unto his own, and his own received him not. But as many as received him, to them gave he power to become the sons of God, even to them that believe on his name. Let's pray. Father, we do thank you for the privilege to be able to sing your praises tonight. We thank you for the health that we do enjoy, the freedom that we have to be here. And uh, Father, we just pray that you would bless our time together tonight. Uh, Again, do be with those who are apart from us lord pray especially for those who are sick we pray for those who are burdened lord that you just uh, minister to their need and to their burden and father uh, we do pray for our nation we pray for those who keep us safe and provide the freedom that we're enjoying even tonight and father we just pray that you would uh, meet with us strengthen us father give us a vision for a dark and dying world and father do uh, make a difference lord uh, We just pray that you'd help us put aside our concerns for a time. Lord, thank you that we can cast all our cares upon you. We do thank you for that blessed hour of prayer. Father, we do love you and we thank you now. In Jesus' precious name, amen. Well, I've already said this a little bit, that the book of John uses uh, a a number of uh, words and metaphors to take and to communicate truth. And we looked a little bit about the, how that he is the light of the world. And, and of course, that light is salvation. And, uh, if you will, uh, light is God and, and uh, darkness is death and, and Satan and hell. And it's pretty easy to see who's on the, if you will, on the side of light and who's on the side of darkness. I think we all understand those metaphors. But I want to take and I want to dig into this a little bit tonight here in verse 4, especially where the Bible says there, it says, In him was life. And it says the life was the light of men. I want to I dig into that just a little bit. That word in him there means that he is instrumental in all life. Meaning if you have life, it's because of Jesus Christ. If there's life on the earth, it's because of, of, because of Jesus Christ and he is God. He became flesh and we looked at all that a couple of weeks ago. And, and so we've touched on some of these things, so I'm going to hit them and move on from them. But if you remember, the first thing that we learned here about in him was life, okay, life. And again, that's any kind of life, anything that's alive or anything that's living, okay? And, and so, if you will, in a sense, nothing lives without him, okay? Because he lives, we can face tomorrow, you know, and, and, be, and, and you know, in him was life, he is, and, and different things like that. And so, we, we looked at that one verse, Colossians chapter 1, verse 16 and 17, where the Bible says, For by him were all things created that are in heaven, that are in earth, visible and invisible, whether they be thrones or dominions, principalities or powers, all things were created by him and for him. Okay, we, uh, I uh, kind of want to put an exclamation point on that from last time. And, uh, and so the Bible says, and he is before all things, and by him all things consist. I want you to think about something for a second here. It's not my notes, but just something to think about. What does he mean when he said he created all things that are in heaven and that are in earth? Okay. If you will, heaven, earth. We also know this where's God live? Heaven, okay. And we talked about eternity a, a couple Sunday nights ago. And the Bible talks about God existing in a third heaven, okay. And if you will, the first heaven, we're breathing that. That's the first heaven, the atmosphere. And the second heaven, if you will, would be the stars that you look up in the sky. And then the third heaven, would be that spiritual realm that we talked about in eternity where God exists, okay? And so if you will, he's saying, I created everything physical and I created everything spiritual too. Is there anything in this world that we cannot see that exists in creation but we can't see because it's spiritual? Think about it for a second here. Is there anything Angels, okay, angels. And by the way, when you look at that, that's what he's describing there. When he talks about principalities and powers and uh, thrones and dominions, uh, things visible and invisible. By the way, are there invisible things in this world that God has created that are real? Yeah, absolutely, okay. And so if you will, uh, God created, uh, how, much, how much did God create in those first six days? We looked at this uh, last week. Remember thing. Everything that was made was made in that first week. So when was Satan made? That first week. week. Okay. So if you will, uh, he would be one of those principalities. Uh, Somebody made mention of this uh, last week. What was Jesus in, uh, excuse me, what was Satan in charge of? What was he created for? He was created for a purpose. What was his purpose? Music. Yeah. Covered the throne of God. Both of those things are true. Okay, music is basically in charge of praise. By the way, I, I wonder—he probably knew more than one song, but we see one song in the Bible, don't we? "Holy, holy, holy, Lord God Almighty." I mean, that's that's a praise, and and that's what the angels cried out in God's presence. And if you will, in a sense, Satan was created for that. And the only problem is that he didn't want to do that. Okay, and so that created all the other problems. But uh, when were all the demons created? Okay, yeah, skip to the conclusion. Thanks a lot. They just wasted 10 minutes of my sermon right there. <laughs> no, I'm just joking with you. Um, no, that's exactly right. By the way, um, uh, I was just at a preacher's meeting last Friday, and it was a good preacher's meeting, and, and somebody uh, gave away Bibles. They said, anybody that doesn't have one can have one. And so to be honest with you, I waited around to make sure everybody had one that wanted one, and there were still some sitting on the table, so I took one the reason I took one is it was a, um, a Schofield Reference Bible. Now, can I ask, how many of you all either own one or know what a Schofield Reference Bible is? Okay, yeah. And, by the way, that used to be kind of the Baptist Bible, right? There's a number of reasons for it, one of which is no matter what version you have, the pages are all the same, okay? It, no matter what size or what version you had, You could say, turn to such and such page, and everybody would be on the same verse, okay? And so that's one reason people liked him. The problem is it's written by a Presbyterian minister. And he tries to explain where that the demons came from. Okay? And so what they believe is that between verse one and verse two, there's a gap of time. How old is the earth? How many millions of years is the earth? You look confused. I'll ask somebody else. How old is it? 26 million? 26 million? Point, six. Point. Okay, 0.6 million. Very good, yeah. I don't know if that math works out. This is an important question because people are people would like to say, where did the demons come from? And some people say, well, that's a fallen race of men, a pre-Adamite fallen race of men. Well, the problem with that is a number of things. But, folks, the problem... For a number of that is is death came before anything else. Think about it. Before day two even began, you had an entire civilization that had died, and that's where your demons, and that's where your angels. That's nonsense. God created Satan for a purpose. He was the anointed cherub that covereth. You realize that word anointed means that he was created for the specific purpose to cover the throne of God. One of which things he did is he sang the praises of God, if you will. There's that music, that choir director aspect of satan if you will and then he created all the other angels okay Uh, uh, what other angels do you know in the bible somebody talk to me here what who Michael. michael and what's what's michael's title if he had a title he's the archangel archangel means the chiefest of angels so he would be a principality and by the way satan was a principality too and so satan and michael remember they they contested over the body of satan okay excuse me of moses of moses and uh, they contended over that and think about it it was a real power struggle until god came and, and got the victory okay and 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 if you will uh it, well i don't want to go too far straight but it taught us listen don't battle with angels let god do it Amen. don't battle with demons let god do it are demons real Amen. yeah but what are they they're the angels that fell with okay uh, uh with satan Okay, in in, uh, Revelation chapter 13 is when that happened. Revelation chapter 12 is when that happened. Uh, Are we supposed to get dressed every day in the whole armor of God? Why? So that we may stand against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this world, against spiritual darkness in high places, okay, and all that. And so, if you will, the Bible says that our enemies are not flesh and blood, but these very, if you will, angels that were created in the first six days. Okay, which day were they created on? People argue about that. All I know is this. They were created at, before the end of the six days. You all with me on that? Okay, and so God is, is teaching us here, if you will, that everything that has life, spiritual and physical, okay, are we going to have spiritual bodies someday? Yeah, we're going to have spiritual bodies someday, okay? I touched on that, so I'm just going to move on. Uh, okay, and so nothing lives without him. There is no such thing as other gods or other beings. God, There was God alone, and then he created everything else. He created things seen and unseen. If there is life in it, God gave it to him because in him was life. And then we also talked about this a little bit, but in Genesis chapter 2 and verse 7, that he formed man of the dust of the ground, and then he breathed into him the breath of life. Now, um, you guys might think, well, that just applies to Adam. It really applies to all of mankind. Let me explain this. And it it doesn't really come out in our English Bible, and I'm not saying that you have to know Hebrew to understand your Bible, because you do not, okay? But when he breathed into Adam, he breathed into him every soul of mankind. Is that true, what I just said? How do we know it's true? Because the Bible does teach us a lesson so that we can know it's true. Okay, so you have the first Adam who fell, and then the second Adam, Christ. So very good. There's the reason for it, okay? But um, how do we know that um, uh, my oldest son is named Daniel? Can I just say this? God knew I was going to have a son named Daniel before I married my wife you all believe that? Do we all know that to be true? Where did his soul come from? This is an important question. Okay? Where did his soul come from? It came from God. When? This is another important question. I was talking with uh, somebody the other day, and we were talking about ethics. Can I tell you? What is ethics? Somebody help me with what's ethics. Anybody here know what ethics are? I'm not that smart. <laughs> you're not that smart? <laughs> yeah. Uh, standards, uh, rules that, that uh, should be guidelines for a society. Yeah, that's a decent. Benjamin, I you have a, a code. Boy, that's a good. That I, I like his answer a little bit better. The only reason is because you can have a code and I can have a code. It's not the same code. And so a lot of times when you take and you discuss ethics... People can disagree vehemently. Let me ask you a question. Is abortion okay? Why not? Why? You're killing a baby? Are you sure? When does a person become a living soul? When it's conceived? Interesting. Anybody know when the... I'm not disagreeing with anybody. I'm just trying to get your opinion. Does anybody know any other opinions out there? Because we believe at conception. Meaning this, that God way back when took and he breathed all the souls into Adam. And then he used natural propagation of a man and a woman. And and whenever they do that, then they become a living soul at conception. At conception. Amen. You all with me? Do anybody know what the Jews believe? They do not believe that a child is a child until it takes its first breath. And the reason that they take and they believe that is because that's when the breath of life came into them. No, the breath of life went into Adam. Okay? The breath of life went into Adam. And God propagates life. Okay? By the way, help me now. How do we know that's nonsense again? How many of y'all have seen an ultrasound? By the way, have you seen the new ultrasounds? Man, it's like taking a picture. I think I know what my grandson looks like already. I'm telling you, <laughs> handsome. I mean, yeah. <laughs> okay. um, uh, is that a is that a baby in there? Is it breathing? Well, yes, but technically no. Okay. My my whole point is this: is uh, we might be looking at some of these things and you're saying, yeah, that's interesting, just move on. No, 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 there's, there's, there's implications to the things that we believe. We don't believe a person becomes a living soul when they take their first breath. We believe they become a living soul when they are conceived in the womb. Amen. Now, there might be some things you have to discuss on that. that's difficult, but my whole point is this. We believe that at conception, it's a human being. Because God put all the souls in man. And you remember this? He said this. He said, he said uh, Jesus has a better priesthood than Aaron. Why? He said, because Jesus, in the book of Hebrews, somebody's going through the book of Hebrews. They were ta- tell me about it. In three different chapters, 5, 6, and 7, it talks about how Jesus is of the order of Melchizedek. Okay? And he says, that's a better priesthood. Why? He said, because Abraham paid tithes to Melchizedek. And when he did that, Aaron was in his loins. Meaning this, in a sense, all the children of Abraham, okay, paid tithes to Melchizedek. And none of them were born yet. But God already looked at them as souls. You guys understand my point there? And is this important? What's the practical implications of that then? Because sometimes we don't think about what the practical implications are of what we believe. First off, should we be doing abortions? No, those are living souls. What is it when you do an abortion? Murder. Now, having said that, it is murder. I'm going to say amen for everybody unless you... Amen. (laughs) Amen. Having said that. People commit sins, and God forgives sins, okay, and praise God for his grace. Can I just say this, folks, we ought to stand hard against abortion, but we ought to also realize some people need some grace because of that, okay, and so let's, let's be gracious even in our, in our understanding of that, okay. Would it apply to anything else? Think about this as a pastor, I have to counsel people when they get first get married. And can I tell you this, that you remember how that uh, some of us are old enough to remember when your parents would have the talk with you? And I don't want to embarrass anybody, but I think I heard a lot more about the talk than I heard people who actually had the talk. And you know who usually gets to have the talk with people? Pastors. Okay. And you have to talk to them about their finances. And you have to talk to them about how a husband should love a wife. And how a wife should obey her husband. And you have to talk about those things. And then you have to talk about planning for families. Okay. And let me just say this. That there are some things in family planning that are murder. And there's some things that you need to pray to God Lord, should we be using these things? Are you all with me? Now, I'm not going to give you more details than that. But the answer to those questions about should I do this or should I not do this is going to be based on when you think God imparted the soul. And if God imparted the soul at conception, how many of you all know this? You're pregnant for at least six weeks a lot of times before you even know you're pregnant. There's a living soul in your womb. Some of you all's wombs. Okay? Okay before you even know there's a soul in there you guys have got, got my point point. and so my whole point is this is 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 is, is do people talk about these things and the answer is no and it, to be quite honest with you it shocks me sometimes how that 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 we don't even talk about these things and it just comes down you say why are we learning about this again because it's that the impact of the doctrine is so important it means something when life starts and God breathed all the lives into Adam. And then he said, men and women, get married and propagate the species. And I've made accommodation for how that happens. Okay? And, and the souls have already been imparted. And God, uh, through natural propagation, takes and gives life. Amen? There's a lot of implications to that, isn't there? Amen. So nothing lives without him. He breathed life into man, and then the spirit of life is going to return to God. Who gave us life? God did. And who's going to take our life? Go to Ecclesiastes, please. Go to Ecclesiastes. If you're not familiar with this book, you know how it starts, Vanity of Vanity, All is Vanity. It's how the book starts. And he basically it's Solomon confessing you know, all the mistakes he made, to be quite honest with you. And then in chapter 12, he, he begins to describe what it's like to get old. And he talks about your teeth not working anymore, and your eyes getting dark, and your bones starting to clatter. And I mean, you can literally see the old age process here in uh, chapter 12. And if you'll go down to verse 7, there's kind of an end to the aging process. <laughs> it's when you die. And the Bible says here in... A, in a, Ecclesiastes chapter 12 and verse 7. The Bible says, Then shall the dust return to the earth as it was. You all see that? And the Spirit shall return unto God. See what the Bible says? Who gave it? When did he give it? He gave it in Adam. Okay? Well, we're going to talk about that. That's a very good question. Okay? Okay? I'm going through some of this slow because of how important it is, but also one of the most difficult things you'll get your mind around in the Bible is the difference between a soul and a spirit, okay? Tell me what a soul and a spirit has in common. Okay. Um, um, mostly, kinda, yeah? Yeah, you'll see why I say that here in a second, okay? But I appreciate your answer. Uh, Think about this. Um, What's the difference between the body and the soul? Yeah, you can see the body, okay? And so that's what the soul and the spirit have in common. They're both invisible, okay? Remember how he said he created things both visible and invisible, okay? And so the soul and the spirit are invisible. So what's the difference between the soul and the spirit then? And I love when people pay attention to church, man. Good job, Clay. Yeah, our soul is how that we relate with each other. We relate with God, with our personality. It's basically your personality, and that's what we're going to look at tonight. But then your spirit is how you relate with God, okay? But having said that, how many of you all use your personality when you pray? Okay? And so if you will, in the Bible... It would be so nice if every time it said soul, it meant soul with the definition that we just gave. And spirit meant spirit. But every once in a while it talks about praying in the spirit. Okay? Uh, uh, If you remember what he's talking about, he's talking about somebody who's got their head bowed and they're just moving their lips. Okay? So it's clearly talking about their soul. Okay? Okay? And so the, the whole point is this, is you, well, why does it use spirit and why does it use soul sometimes? And I'll tell you why, it's because it's the invisible part of us and it's very hard to divide sometimes. Matter of fact, you have a verse for that. Could you all go to Hebrews chapter 4? Hebrews chapter 4. And I don't have time, but you will notice, to sometimes be very careful if you're studying the word soul or spirit to look at the context to know what it's talking about, because they are used interchangeably at times. Sometimes when they're talking to God, they say soul. Sometimes when they're talking about a life, they, talk, they say spirit. And so it's, it's, uh, it, it's one of the more difficult things when you're studying your Bible. But in Hebrews chapter 4, you know the verse. Look at verse 12. The Bible says, for the word of God is quick. The word quick means alive and powerful. means that it's capable, it's able. And sharper than any two edged sword, okay? By the way, when do you really need a sharp knife? Deer. Okay, <laughs> when you're skinning a deer? When's it, I mean, when's it really important to have a sharp knife? And when you don't want to make any mistakes. I mean, how many of y'all want your surgeon to use a sharp knife? Okay? And so what he's saying, he says, the Word of God's sharp. Sharp, why? Because where it needs to cut, it cuts, okay? And so. It says, sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even to the dividing asunder of, what's the Bible say, soul and. And so what he's saying is there's sometimes that only the word of God can discern for you to be able to understand what is the soul and what is the spirit. Okay. And I will promise you that I, I mean, that would be a series of messages to go through all that. Okay. So just understand this, that the invisible part of us is kind of hard to discern sometimes. Okay? And only the Word of God can do it for us, okay? And it can discern between what is you and, and what is God, if you will, or what is your relationship with you and yourself and others and, and God, okay? And I'm, I'm not trying to make this too hard. So just notice this that the Bible says that the Spirit will return to God at death, okay? If you will, that Spirit is the Spirit of uh, life, yeah? okay? But I want you to think about something. Is a plant alive? Yes and no. Yes and no. Very good answer. I'll get you 50%. <laughs> is this, is a plant alive? Yes, and the reason is because it has a body, but it has no soul. Now I will tell you this, uh, there's some things, that, they try to make it look like plants have a have a soul. How many of y'all know this, that's, that sunflowers take and move with the sun? You guys know that. And and uh, I saw something the other day. Uh, I was watching some creation evidence videos. And if you play classical music to your plants, they'll grow bigger and taller. And, and, and some of that's no doubt true. And uh, By the way, it probably has more to do with the bees than it has to do with the plants. Okay, they're, they're finding out. But my, my whole point is this, is, is a plant it has a body and is alive, but it has no personality. Okay, it has no personality. You can talk to your plants, but you're just providing carbon dioxide. You guys understand? Okay. And so they're alive, but they have no personality, and they have no spirit, and they have no relationship with God in, much, in which they must give an account. Okay. And you say, what's a silly illustration? It's building. Okay. It'll make sense here. Let me ask you a question. Do animals, are animals alive? Okay. But why, how are they different from us? Well, they have a body. Okay. They also have a soul. How do you know? A personality, okay? Every dog's not the same dog. Every horse isn't the same horse. Every cow isn't the same cow. Okay? And so they have a personality, but when's the last time you saw a cow pray before his meal? <laughs> when's the last time you saw a horse do it? How about your cat? Okay, now I don't want to get too personal here because your dog. Huh? Anybody here seen a dog pray? Have you? <laughs> <laughs> right before you <he> shoot it <laughs> uh, no. say that again okay how many how many of you all know that that dog was trained to do that okay, <laughs> and how do you train a dog to pray before they eat? There's two ways there's only two. Reward or punishment, (laughs) okay? (laughs) That's the only way, reward or punishment. They ever rewarded that dog to teach it or they punished that dog to teach it to pray. But at the end of the day, the difference is it has a body and it has a soul. Animals have personality, but they have no relationship with God. You realize that animals, if you will, do everything they do based on the instincts or the training that God put into their DNA, okay? Okay. Uh, And there are still things in in animals that we don't understand because it's beyond us. It's it's beyond our ability to understand. And so, if you will, plants are alive, but they have no no soul, okay? And animals are alive, but they have no spirit, okay? So men are alive, of course, and we have a body and a soul and a spirit, amen? What are we going to look like? By the way, does that make us different? Okay, what are we going to look like when we get to heaven? Perfect your perfect form. Where do you How tall are you going to be? Tall God makes me. Well, come on, you don't think about these things? I'm just wondering what your perfect form is, you know. 5'11", at least. <laughs> 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 and if everybody else is 25 feet tall, you'd be disappointed, right? Um, you know all we know is the Bible says we're going to have a body like unto his what's the Bible say in Philippians 3.21 I think it is like unto his glorious body Okay. could people recognize Jesus after the resurrection could they I want you to think about something in every story, when they see Jesus after the resurrection, they didn't know who he was until he revealed himself somehow. And we've talked about the scars, and we've talked about it's possible that his beard was plucked out. And maybe they, they recognized him from that. I, don't, I personally don't believe that one, but some people believe that. Um, and so a lot of times, even Peter, remember, after they'd seen him two or three times, he said, Well, I, kn- I know it's the Lord. Why? Because I'm not second-guessing again, but he didn't recognize him. All right, So get a hold of this. Are, are we going to recognize each other's bodies? Please take this the right way. I hope you all are a lot better looking than you are now. You're probably thinking the same thing about me, aren't you? Amen? How many of you all are hoping we get a lot better body? Amen. How many of you all honestly, be honest with yourselves, have you ever studied 1 Cor- uh, Corinthians chapter 15? Our body you, it might be, be totally unrecognizable. Who knows what kind of glorif- What a glorious body! What a glorified body looks like. Okay, so if you will, will we be able to look at people and know who they are? Can I contend this? I don't think so. I don't think so, because well, I'll give you an illustration. Anybody here go to high school and is over the age of fifty? Anybody here gone to their high school reunion and you got to look at the name tag to know who you're talking to? <laughs> Y'all understand my point? Folks, even in our lifetimes, we can't recognize ourselves. can't recognize one another. In our lifetime, in our flesh. So what's it going to look like when we get a glorified body? I don't think we're going to know, okay? Well, then what's going to identify us, okay? Again, Philippians chapter 3 and verse 21, it says, Who shall change our vile body, that it may be fashioned like unto his glorious body, okay? And, uh, and then, I believe, I believe we're going to be recognized by our soul, okay? I believe we're going to be recognized by our soul. Now, a lot of times we can recognize each other by our voice, um, uh, personalities, you know. I don't know. How many of y'all got a best friend? You can just tell by the way they giggle who they are. You don't have to see who they are. Give me an illustration. Somebody help me here. Leave me hanging. You guys know who your friends are just sometimes, all right? Well, go, if you will, to Luke chapter 16. I want you to think about something here. Luke chapter 16, and look at verse 23. And the Bible says, let's talk about the rich man. It says, in hell he lift up his eyes, being in torments, and seeth Abraham afar off, and Lazarus in his bosom. You all remember what Lazarus looked like? Come on now. Beggar with sores, with festering sores that the dogs had to lick to keep clean. How many of you all think maybe this is possible? He never one time saw Lazarus standing. It's possible. You think he knew how tall he was? Do you think he knew lo- what he looked like when he didn't have sores on his body? Anybody ever seen somebody who's disfigured like that? I mean, it just totally changes how they look. Okay. And so get, your, get this in your head here. Think about this. In verse 24, and he cried and he said, Father Abraham, have mercy on me and send Lazarus. And you know the rest of the story, so I'm going to stop. Can I ask you a question? Do you really think he recognized Lazarus? Well, then let me ask you this question because you're not wanting to answer here. How many of you all think he had ever seen Abraham before? It's physically impossible for him to have seen Abraham before. And yet, he looked across that great expanse that they couldn't pass. Amen? And he said, Father Abraham. And you know how I know that he was looking for one specific person because one specific person answered him back. Y'all with me? Had he ever seen Abraham before? But when he looked at him, did he know who Abraham was? Okay? And so you could say, well we're all going to have name tags then I mean I'm I'm not trying to be silly but think about it they had to have been able to see something and it couldn't have been physical it couldn't have been physical okay and so if you will there's something about his soul you know maybe how I think he identified Abraham how many people in Abraham's bosom do you think wanted to talk to Abraham okay okay Uh, here's what I would have done. I would have looked at all the people looking at the one guy. (laughs) That's got to be Abraham. (laughs) You all with me? Okay, and so if you will... Uh, I, I, I don't I don't know if these things are true, but my whole point is this: is is the Bible says that we're made body, soul, and spirit, okay? And and God is the one that gave us that life. And and if you will, He He talks about the kind of body we're going to have someday if, if 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 we know Him as our Savior, and then He talks about being recognizable. And I, I think it can only be our soul, okay? If you will, and then if you will, here's what makes us different from everything else, because the thing that makes us different than a plant and the thing that makes us different than an animal is we have to give an account for our life. Okay? That's significant, guys. Get a hold of this. That is significant. Why? Because the Bible says, the soul that I gave, it returns to me. Did you get that from Ecclesiastes chapter 12 and verse 7? When a person dies, the body goes back to the ground that gave it and then the or the life we could say the soul remember how hard it is to divide the soul and the spirit you all with me but the bible says that spirit of when he breathed into him the breath of life okay and they became a living soul and so if you will the spirit came back Go, go to Matthew chapter 12 I want you to see this Matthew chapter 12 And look at verse 31. Again, and guys, I got to tell you, I can't tell you how encouraged it makes me to know that you listen and you pay attention and and you can answer these questions because I promise you I could ask some of these questions in seminaries and you would get a blank stare. Okay, I, I really am thankful you guys can answer these questions. But it's sad that most people don't think about this next one. What is the only sin God will not forgive? That's the, that's the context. That's the verse right there. So what is blasphemy against the Holy Spirit? Not getting saved? Yeah. Folks, all we got to do is read it in this context. Okay. And the context that we're looking at it in is this. Is that God created man. He breathed into him the breath of life. And that breath of life made us a living soul. We're not a plant and we're not an animal. Though we have life like a plant and we have a body like an animal, we're not a plant or an animal. There's something different about us. Okay? This is significant. There's something different about us. Okay? And God says, I created you. Now, why did God create you? Where well, he looked at that because he wanted to. Why did he want to? It pleased him. There's so many different verses. Why did he want to create us? You guys remember the very beginning of the Bible? Where did it start? In a place called Adam and Eve. Where did they live? Yeah. Garden of Eden. Very good. Another place called Paradise. No sin. No sin. Hey, they had mosquitoes. They didn't bite. It's true. Amen. Okay? Nature wasn't fallen. This was a perfect place. And what did God do with man in that garden? He walked with them and he talked with them. And he, he had relationship, fellowship. There were souls communicating with each other. Okay? And he said this. He said, you can eat from that tree. What was the name of that tree? The tree of? Say it again, it was the tree of Here's life. 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 Okay? And he says, here's the tree of the knowledge of the good of good and evil. By the way, I personally believe this, this just my take on things. All of those trees would give life. There was just one that led to death. The tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Okay? And he said, the day that you eat of it, thou shalt surely die. What does death mean? The only way we can know is by what happened. Is when they partook of the fruit, God says, you can't stay with me anymore. You can't live here. And so death is separation, either from the body or from God. It's death. Separation. Y'all understand? This, this will be important here in a second. And so if you will, from the beginning, God said, keep eating from the tree of life, man. You know how long you can live if you could eat one of those things? Anybody here ever, well, you've been to Florida. One of the big heroes in Florida, help me now. He was looking for the fountain of life, the fountain of youth. Ponce de Leon, okay? Ponce de Leon, looking for the fountain of youth. And he was hoping he'd find it so he could take a big old drink of it and just live on forever. Folks, think about what would happen if you could eat from the tree of life. You live forever. And life is being in God's presence forever. Y'all with me? Okay. And so knowing that, God says, this is life and this is death. What's the Holy Spirit's job? Not after salvation but before salvation to convict us of sin and righteousness and of judgment to come and the Holy Spirit one day comes to Jimmy Thrasher and he says Jimmy you're a sinner and you cannot be in my presence unless you repent what did, as the Holy Spirit did I just tell him the truth you're a sinner you need to repent there's only one name under heaven given among men whereby you must be saved do you know that name what's his name Okay, now you need to confess that, and I'll give you everlasting life. Or you can say that's nonsense. The tree of life. You can have it, you, can, you live forever. You from that tree, you die. Holy Spirit says, there's only one name under heaven, give among men, whereby we must be saved. Ah, that's nonsense. There's a lot of ways to heaven. And by the way, that's blasphemy. And so when you think about the blaspheming of the Holy Spirit, think people think, well, what do you got to say? What do you got to do? And people, it's just so easy. Here's life, here's death, you choose. I told you what you got to do. Oh, that's nonsense. That's blasphemy. Okay? Now read that in context, okay? And the Bible says uh, in Matthew uh, 12, verse 31, he says, Wherefore I say unto you, all manner of sin and blasphemy shall be forgiven unto men... But the blasphemy against the Holy Ghost shall not be forgiven unto men. By the way, what did they just say? They said, you're doing your miracles by the power of bills above the devil. And God, you know what God says? He says, God will forgive anything. But he will not forgive you when he's convicted you, told you what you needed to do, and then you call him a liar. Son of the devil instead of the son of God. You all see that? Blasphemy of the Holy Spirit. Okay? And it's more an attitude than anything. It's it's, it's a, well, I'm not going to do it that way. Okay. All right. But here's life and here's death. Okay? And the only thing I'm going to forgive, not forgive, is when you choose death instead of choosing life. And it's blasphemy. Well, there is more than one Savior. Blasphemy. There is no, there's, there, there's no God. Blasphemy. You can't be saved. You only live in this life. Blasphemy. Okay? Verse 32, And whosoever speaketh a word against the Son of Man, it shall be forgiven him. Listen, anybody here didn't get saved the first time God was working on you? Praise God. But he kept working on you. Hey, I'll forgive that. I'll forgive that. But verse 3, it says, but whoso speaketh against the Holy Ghost, meaning what? Well, I'm not a sinner. There is no judgment to come. Y'all get it? That's the reason why we ask these questions, okay? It shall not be forgiven him, neither in this world, neither in the world to come. And then he says this. He says, either make the tree good and his fruit good, or else make the tree corrupt and his fruit corrupt, for the tree is known by his fruit. Oh, you generation of vipers, how can you being evil speak good things? For out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaketh. And the good man out of the good treasure of his heart bringeth forth good things. And an evil man out of the evil treasure bringeth forth evil things. By the way, that heart, there's another name for that. How about soul? I'm sitting here thinking, dun, 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 dun. <laughs> I don't how to play piano. Heart and soul? I mean, they're 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 equated. Okay, they're equated. And an evil man out of the evil treasure will bring forth evil things. But I say unto you that every idle word that men shall speak, they shall give an account thereof. Say it with me, in the day of judgment. Why? Because God gave a soul. And you're going to answer for the soul. Are you going to answer for your dad's soul? Nope. Are you going to answer for your son's soul? Nope. Are you going to answer for your brother or sister's soul? No but you're going to answer for the soul he gave you. And notice, again, here, it's very interesting here. Uh, what does it take? Well, uh, if, if you want to uh, do right, well, you've got to have a changed heart. Verse 33, change the tree. If you got the wrong fruit, get the right tree. You all see that? And then, if you will, the heart must be changed in, in order to produce the right fruit. And then uh, words are how you communicate what's the fruit of your heart. From the abundance of the heart, say it with me, the mouth speaketh. Okay? And God says this, I can tell the condition of the heart by the words that come out of your mouth. And so when he's talking about the blasphemy, it's, blasphemy is something you say. Okay? And so when a person says, well, there is no God and, and, and you don't have to be saved, and there's more than one way to heaven, blah, 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 a heart of unbelief. How many of y'all knew what you were supposed to say when you got saved? Anybody? Anybody here ever tried to lead somebody to the Lord and the first thing they say is, I don't know what to say. Can I just tell you this? It's not about what you say so much as is it coming from the right kind of heart. Have mercy on me, a sinner. Do you think that guy got up justified? Because there's no guessing with that one. Jesus said this man went home justified. Why? Because the condition of his heart. I'm a sinner and I need your mercy, God. And God said he got it. He got it. The condition of his heart was right. Amen. I want you to think about this. Eternity is really a choice to eat of the tree of life. Do you want to eat? From the tree of life. Can I show you something? Would you go to Revelation chapter 22? Revelation chapter 22. And look at verse 14. Blessed are they that do his. Commandments. Okay. And remember I preached Sunday morning. One of the commandments is. Ye must be born again. Gotta get the tree right, gotta get the heart right. Okay. All the other commandments, you know, are just trying to get you to that one same point. Hey, I need I need help. I need to be saved. I need to be right. And in verse 14, again, the Bible says, Blessed are they that do his commandments that they may have right to the tree of life. Amen. And God is literally saying this He says, There's the tree you can eat of it forever and I gave you a soul okay and all you got to do is listen to my Holy Spirit that convicts you of sin and of righteousness and of judgment to come and anybody who's ever been a human being who says well I've never felt that conviction is lying against God you say well nobody ever told me from the Bible the heavens declare the glory of God his handiwork and keep reading that it talks about the judgment of God being known all around the world there's no place where his voice is silent and God the Holy Spirit before salvation convicts people okay and he says this you got to acknowledge that you're a sinner amen by the way did Adam and Eve acknowledge they were sinners how do we know that They made garments for themselves. Were they also people of obedience? God says those aren't good enough. What do you want us to get? You've got to get skins of an animal. Something innocent has to die to cover you. And folks, Jesus was the lamb slain before the foundation of the world. And it's only by his blood that covers us. I, I'm out of time. Um, it talks about that. Uh, John the Baptist coming after that. And they said, are you, are you him? Are you the light of the world? And it says right there in John, he says, he was not that light. But he came to bear witness of that light. And can I just tell you this? That tells you our job. Because he is the light of the world, and in him is light and life. Okay, And it is our job, once that we have received that light that leads to eternal life, then we need to be those light bearers that point people to Jesus. Uh, how can somebody be saved without a preacher? The Bible tells us, Amen. Meaning, somebody has to tell them about the light that is in them. Now, I gotta—I I will tell you this: I'm not a real big fan of just complaining. To complain. If you see a problem, address it. Are we living in a dark and a wicked world? Folks, I don't know about you, but it's obvious we're in election season. Right? Well, we can complain about it or we can do something about it. Because nothing's going to change until people get saved. And people aren't going to get saved until we become that light in a world that can make a difference. Okay? In him was life. And We are to be the light. He is the light, and we're to point back to that light and say he is the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes to the Father but by me. We'll pick this up again uh, next week. Let's pray. Father, we do love you. We thank you for the privilege to just uh, look into your word. Father, continue to strengthen our faith.